Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who later became affectionately known to the nation as FDR, was the 32nd president of the United States of America. FDR was born on January 30, 1882. FDR would go on to marry his childhood sweetheart, Eleanor Roosevelt, in the year 1902. FDR was a father of six children, although, unfortunately, one of his children, Franklin Delano Roosevelt Jr., passed away before he was able to turn two years of age. FDR was the cousin of Theodore Roosevelt, who was the 26th president of the United States of America. Like Theodore, FDR had a strong political background prior to assuming the office of president of the United States. FDR got his start in politics by serving as New York State Senator, and he would serve as senator from 1910 to 1913. After completion of his term as New York State Senator, FDR was appointed by then 28th President Woodrow Wilson to the appointment of Assistant Secretary of the Navy. This is a position he would hold from 1913 to 1919. After serving as Assistant Secretary of the Navy, FDR decided to try his hands on the national political scene and he would do this by joining James Cox, the then presidential nominee for the Democratic Party, as the vice presidential candidate. Now, this is worth noting because FDR's cousin, who we mentioned, Theodore Roosevelt, the 26th president of the United States, was actually a Republican. Now, this is an election that they would go on to lose. However, it's important just to establish the precedent that he did not come from a family of Democrats, per se. However, after suffering defeat in the election, FDR became extremely ill. This was an illness that eventually left him paralyzed from the waist down. FDR took some time. He worked on his health. He was able to regain strength. And although he was permanently paralyzed from the waist down, he actually did teach himself how to walk again at least for short distances. And he would do that using the assistance from a cane and steel rods used as braces to help support the weight of his body. Now, after taking time to work on his health, FDR accepted the position of chairman for the Taconic State Park. And FDR would use this momentum to actually get back into politics. He gets back into politics by narrowly beating Albert Ottinger to become the governor of New York. This is a position FDR would hold from the years 1929 to 1932 as he served two terms. FDR uses the momentum of being the New York State governor to catapult him back into the presidential conversation and decides to run for president again in 1932. In the 1932 election, FDR actually wins by a landslide, and this gives him a political mandate. Now, it's important to note that this mandate was him needing to give hope and change to a nation that was desperately in need of change and hope. This because 
FDR falls in time as a political reconstructor. He's looking to rebuild a broken economy. FDR takes office during a time where the nation is feeling the weight of the Great Depression. This was a Great Depression where it was not only affecting the United States, it was affecting the world. So it was literally a worldwide economic depression. Not only that, while FDR is in office, we actually see the nation go into World War II. So now we have a president who's looking to rebuild a broken nation, suffering the effects from the Great Depression, and also looking to help get us out of World War II and in the process not destroy the economy any more than it was already hurting. So far, we've talked about FDR, who he was, a little bit about his personal background, as well as his political background, at least up until he becomes president. We've also established where FDR falls in political time as a reconstructor who was looking to rebuild a broken economy. Now, as we examine FDR's presidency, it's important to note that FDR was a public president. And this is important because as president, it's very crucial to establish yourself as a man of the people and someone who speaks for the people and on behalf of the people. Now, we'd like to preface this by saying FDR was a bit more visible than his predecessors because of the fact that most 21st century presidents were very private, simply because they could be due to the lack of technology of the times when they were president. It's also worth noting that although we established FDR was paralyzed permanently from the waist down, he was rarely photographed in a wheelchair. He did not want to be seen as someone who was disabled. Rather, he wanted to be seen for his strength. Now, FDR was able to capitalize on technology by becoming the first president to speak on TV, although it did not occur via live broadcast. It was something that was broadcasted later on. However, FDR became a man of the people by empowering not just those around him, but empowering the nation, empowering women. FDR was able to empower the women of the United States by appointing them to positions that were unprecedented regarding the ranks that he gave them, as well as the number of women he appointed within the U.S. government. He did so at a rate which, as we already established, was unprecedented. So, in doing so, he was able to empower women within the U.S. and help give them representation within the U.S. government. Not only this, but FDR was able to guide the nation through crises during the Great Depression and World War II by using a series of fireside chats. These chats are something that he did 31 of in total, which was him using his abilities to capitalize on radio usage. Now, as we just mentioned, FDR was the first president to speak on TV, but it was not via live broadcast because the TV was a new piece of technology. 
However, the radio was something that his predecessors had, and it was something that he was able to capitalize on through this series of fireside chats. He would use these fireside chats to address all sorts of issues, things ranging from his New Deal program outline, the outline for this New Deal that FDR promised to give the nation to help pull them out of the Great Depression. He would address things like uh, moving forward to greater freedom and security, uh, the drought conditions and the plights of farmers. Uh, He also addressed things like the reorganization of the judiciary and the unemployment census. He talked about uh, the war in Europe. He also addressed things like national defense and military readiness. He talked about the war with Japan, the fall of Mussolini, and plans for peace. Also, one of the things that he talked about was the capture of Rome. So the point is, FDR was able to use the radio to address a nation in ways which had not been done before. And it was very important because, although they may not be seeing the president on live TV, they can still tune into the radio and hear his voice and get comfort from the leader of their nation. Also, it was a way for him to help guide the nation and let them know what's next, Um, the things that he has been working on, and all sorts of other issues. And I just wanted to name a few things that he used the radio to actually address. But FDR took these fireside chats in combination with his legislative policies and actually helped guide us out of World War II and out of the Great Depression. Now, as far as legislative policies, that's something that we'll address next. look at FDR, the legislator. Now, it's important for each and every president to establish themselves as a good legislative president because it is through legislation that we see laws passed, bills created, things that help them to deliver on their campaign promises, those things they told us they were going to do when they got in office. For FDR, the pressure was a little bit greater than his predecessors simply because the nation is seeing the effects of the Great Depression, in addition to the fact that FDR promised a new deal to the American people. He promised to help rebuild the economy by delivering on this new deal. So let's look at some of the things that FDR was able to help legislate to see how he did in comparison to those things he said he was going to do. Within FDR's first 100 days, he was able to legislate the Works Progress Administration. This was an administration that was approved by Congress, and it was created to help relieve the economic hardship being felt by the Great Depression. In doing so, in addressing this economic hardship, they were able to employ more than 8.5 million people on 1.4 million public projects. And... That helps to get the economy jump-started, but obviously it doesn't do everything it needs to do, but it's a step in the right direction. Following this and leaving out of his first 100 days in office, we see FDR help legislate the Wagner-Connery National Labor Relations Act. So again, first we had that Works Progress Administration, 
Now we have this Wagner Connery National Labor Relations Act to again help address the issues being felt by the labor force or those everyday working Americans who need jobs, who need stability, who need hope and change to help them get back to their everyday day of life and living. Now, it's important to note that during this time, the Democrats make a resurgence in southern states, but they don't want these New Deal programs that FDR is offering to help African Americans. So, although he is a Democrat, he's actually facing opposition from Southern Democrats because they also, like the rest of America, want to see the country come out of the Great Depression. But in the process, they don't want these New Deal policies to help African Americans. So now, FDR has to rely on his ability to negotiate to form compromises with the Southern Democrats to help push his new deal forward. And these negotiations would lead to concessions, concessions such as the 1934 National Housing Act and the Federal Housing Authority. Now, obviously it's something that you would think is designed for all Americans, but although this act helped encourage the construction of new homes and benefited those with the financial ability to buy homes, it did little to assist the African-American community. So, we see that the Southern Democrats are getting what they want and that FDR does not lose out on his New Deal promises. However, he doesn't help the entire American population in the ways that he hoped because in order to get some of these deals and policies passed, he has to give concession to the Southern Democrats so he's not facing any more opposition than he was already facing from his own party. However, through legislation, we also see FDR and his administration was able to negotiate the National Recovery Act and also the the Tidings-McDuffie Act, which helped propel the Philippines in towards independence. Um, They did that by helping bring assistance to the nation's economy and he also helped deliver on his promise of delivering a new deal to help fix the economy. So again, we had this economy that was struggling. FDR begins to work to pass a series of different legislation to address the issues being felt by the Great Depression. Now, the economy is not completely fixed as of yet, and that leads us to our next segment when the country goes into World War II and we see FDR begin to use his war-making powers to help lead the country now, not just through the Great Depression, but also through one of the biggest wars America will ever fight. As mentioned, we're now going to look at FDR and how he utilized his war-making powers. Now, before we get into what FDR did do, we want to establish what FDR or any other president is allowed to do when it comes to the utilization of their war powers or their war-making powers. According to the United States Constitution, the president is the commander-in-chief. The president can also deploy troops. He or she can collect on foreign intelligence and they can create treaties. However, to issue some checks and balances, 
When it comes to those treaties, Congress gives the final approval. Also, only Congress can declare war. Congress holds the power of the purse. And Congress also regulates naval and land forces. So, when it comes to war, the president has to work hand-in-hand with Congress because they need each other, because there are certain things and certain powers that the Constitution gave to one that it did not necessarily give to the other. Now, when we look at some of the things did, we start by analyzing the War Powers Act of 1941. This is sometimes called the first War Powers Act, but this act increased the executive power in World War II. On December 7, 1941, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, and that ended the U.S.'s neutrality in World War II, which actually led to this War Powers Act. So prior to Japan bombing Pearl Harbor, the United States was not actually involved in the war. We were in a neutral standpoint. However, after the bombing, now the United States becomes involved and we see this War Powers Act of 1941. So now FDR is using those implied powers to help gain more power as he looks to address the war being fought in the United States and across the world. Additionally, FDR later goes on to help establish the United Nations. And it's worth noting, he was actually the one who suggested that it be called the United Nations. Now, was that the name they got because they took his advice? One would think so. But again, we can't prove that. However, it's still worth noting. Additionally, this was done by his meeting with Winston Churchill who was the prime minister at the time, to discuss a, quote, family of nations in August of 1941. On February of 1945, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Churchill, Premier Stalin of the Soviet Union, they all agree that the big five nations of this family of nations within the United Nations are going to be the United States, the Soviet Union, the United Kingdom, France, and China. Not only that, they established that they're going to be permanent members of the United Nations Security Council, which was a special committee, committee, sorry, and it was designed with powers to keep the peace. We see FDR use World War II to help bring an end to the Great Depression. So, It wasn't necessarily his New Deal policies alone, but rather it was a combination of World War II and some of the powers he utilized there, as well as him using the state of war in combination with those policies to help bring the U.S. out of the Great Depression. How? Well, war sparked job creation and massive public and private spending. By doing so, we saw great ships begin being built in weeks and then days, as well as we saw airplanes begin to be being built in days. American-made vehicles put the entire Russian army on wheels, and women and African Americans benefited greatly by the wartime economy. Women began to join the workforce in unprecedented numbers, and African Americans began to leave rural and poor the rural and poor South to find industrial employment, voting rights and less oppressive legal and social systems in the North. 
So we see World War II in combination with some of the policies that FDR had already established through legislation now really began to pull the U.S. economy out of the Great Depression and help fulfill some of the promises that he said he was going to do. FDR's presidency was a show of strength. Not only his presidency, but his life. We saw that through FDR's personal life very early on, when he lost one of his six children, Franklin Delano Roosevelt Jr., before the age of two years old. Not only that, but we saw FDR go against his family's political grain, and we saw that when Theodore Roosevelt, his cousin, was a Republican, but FDR chose to pursue a career as a Democrat, winning office as a Democrat. Additionally, FDR was able to overcome severe illness in the early stages of his political career and still persevere to become president. We know that he was paralyzed from the waist down, but FDR did not let that stop him and through strength and determination, rose to the highest office in the United States of America. Also, we saw FDR lead a broken economy through the Great Depression and World War II by combining his strong leadership skills with the creative use of radio and great pieces of legislation, one of which was the War Powers Act, which expanded presidential war power which set a precedent for those to come after him. We saw FDR combine his New Deal programs with all of the events going on with World War II to create and pass significant numbers of legislation. Additionally, we know that FDR died in office, but he did have one aspect of what we will call a post-presidency, and that is the 25th Amendment. FDR was the only president to ever serve four terms, and that's what led the American people and the American government to say no, from here on out, the president can only serve two terms, and that's where we saw the 25th Amendment. So we do see his post-presidency in that aspect, although he was not alive to see it. FDR, as we established, was a great president, and he was a strong president. He brought us through one of the most difficult times as a nation and helped us get back on the international scene to a place of prestige and one of the strongest nations.